This month, our podcast is brought to you by PageSmith. PageSmith is a wonderful new service we've recently come across, which allows readers to create or gift their own personalized poetry collections. You can choose from eight themes and they'll suggest a selection of poems and you can then fully personalize the book's title, dedication and cover. It's gorgeous. So gorgeous. And you know what? These not only make a thoughtful gift for your significant other this Valentine's Day, but would also make a perfect Galentine's gift because who says we shouldn't show some appreciation for our gal pals too? Amen. And Jess and I did exactly that. We're by no means poetry buffs, but it was so easy to do. In fact, it took no more than 10 minutes and I absolutely adored the book Jess made for me. They're so special, aren't they? And because you can choose from eight themes, both of our books were so different. Some of the themes include new horizons, love, well-being, companionship and nature. And so if you're looking to gift a special someone with a personal and thoughtful gift this February, then look no further. They're only available in the UK for now. So visit pagesmithbooks.com to place your order or give them a follow on Insta at pagesmithbooks. Give the gift of poetry this Valentine's and Galentine's Day. I'm Jess and I'm Lauren and we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. It is February, the month of love, supposedly. But with Valentine's fast approaching, we thought it was the perfect opportunity to highlight some very underrated love stories. You may not classify these books as romances, and yet they have complex relationships and emotions that every romance reader would love. Fuck me, it's February, Lauren. (laughs) It is. And with that, we have a very exciting new podcast sponsor. Our agreement with them is just to mention them at the beginning of our episode. However, they have such lovely products that I do think, Jess, they deserve a mention within our episode too. I think we should definitely have a chat about them. Um, The sponsor is Paige Smith, if you listen to the ad. Um, and we are promoting their lovely poetry gifts. So we knew that we were each going to receive a copy of of a poetry, but of a poetry collection. And we thought it would be a super cute idea if we made one for the other. And even though we knew that we were receiving this from the other one, we were so touched when we got our books, <laughs> weren't we? Yeah, I actually had tears in my eyes when I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not hard. It's but really like, not. But considering how easy they were to make, it's exactly. mad how thoughtful they are. Yeah, exactly. You choose your own cover. You make up the title of the book that you want to give it. You write your own dedication and choose from. I think it's a selection of eight or nine themes, and you select two of them that you want your poetry book to be about. And then it automatically pulls a selection of poems together that fit that brief. Yeah. It's so easy to do. And it's not like you have to know poems yourself. It does the work. No, exactly. Have you, I've got my book in front of me. Have you got um, a favourite poem in your book? Oh, do you know what I do actually? I bookmarked one. Shall I read it to you? Please. Where is it? Is it long? Oh, here we go. I'm I'm not going to read you all of it. I'm just going to read you. It's called Thinking by Walter D. Wintle. 
and it says if you think you are beaten you are if you think you dare not you don't if you like to win but you think you can't it is almost certain you won't and it goes on like that and then I like the, the rhythm of it cool. yeah me too yeah nice I really like it what was your favorite one mine well it was when I looked at my contents page yeah. my eyes went straight to this one and what it's friendship it by Emily Dickinson and then oh. I went to it and it's only it's only four lines so I'm going to read oh. the whole poem <laughs> <laughs> they may not they might not need me yet they might I'll let my heart be just in sight. A smile so small as mine might be, precisely their necessity. Oh my gosh. Cute, right? I'm so sweet. I'm so <laughs> thoughtful. I picked that out especially for you. That's the other thing. You're like the person you get it for might think they that you know. have taken the time to find all the exactly. poems. Actually, you can be super lazy and come across as lovely. Oh God, yeah. Don't isn't that the overall dream for everyone? Right. Um and can I also just say they're really affordable as well? It sounds like they'd be really expensive, but I'm pretty sure it's only £30 to do this, regardless, you know, of, of what you're going for. So if you're looking for, you know, a gift, whether that's for Valentine's, Galentine's or anything in between, then I would say this is a top reco. As you say, Jess, it's just super thoughtful and it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. Hashtag gift recos. Um, oh God, we should make that thing. <laughs> Are we going to um, trademark it like the other? Find the domain. <laughs> um, okay, shall we get on to the episode? Let's do it. Okay, so we should, I think, start with the book that sparked the idea for this episode, which um, we read last month, and it is "We Are All Birds of Uganda" by Hafsa Zayan. Lauren, yeah, do the honors. I'm not even going to say what it is. You should just know. 1960s Uganda. <laughs> Hassan is struggling to run his family business following the sudden death of his wife. Just as he begins to see a way forward, a new regime seizes power and a wave of rising prejudice threatens to sweep away everything that he has built. Present day London, Samir, a young high flying lawyer, sends his senses an emptiness in what he thought was the life of his dreams called back to his family home by an unexpected tragedy Samir begins to find the missing pieces of himself not in his future plans but in a past he never knew moving between two continents over a troubled century we are all birds of Uganda is an immensely resonant novel that explores racial tensions generational divides and what it means to be to belong I mean what a debut can we have a round of applause for Hafsa? Zayan? I'm going to slow clap. <laughs> that's for you, Hafsa. I don't know how that comes across in a microphone. I'm really sorry if that's <laughs> probably horrendous. really shit. Um, well, it was also the winner of the Murky Books New Writers Prize, um, which in itself is just huge Immense. kudos. For anyone who doesn't know, Murky Books is an imprint launched in 2018 by Stormzy and Penguin Random House in the UK. And they collaborated on it as with the ambition to publish books that change the mainstream and publish authors from untraditional spaces that are inclusive and intersectional. So and good. We're here for it. We're More so here it. for it. Um, and I think Mallory Blackman's books are part of um, Murky now too. They are, yeah. Yeah, okay. They have so, quite a, 
if you go on their website it also shows you some new authors they've got debuting this year oh so nice it gets you nice and excited yeah as well. get the tbr ready make some pre-orders yes. <laughs> anyway back to the book um so it switches between modern day and quick one that lauren i was really surprised that the main character was male i don't know why i think i was like yeah, it's a good point yeah written by a woman lovely gonna cover. A, it's gonna it's woman. gonna be a female protagonist i was like oh it's about man all right but anyway yeah, it, it was a bit <laughs> jarring wasn't it yeah. like, i don't okay. know why but um yeah so it's um the modern day is about this um man who's a very busy life he works at a law firm in london and then the other half is letters who are written from a man whose wife has died and he's writing letters he dresses them all to her and then later you find out the connection between the two narratives which i thought was done really well lauren Mm -hmm. did you prefer a part if if any like did you prefer the letters or the modern day i preferred the modern day i have to say and I always do in, in books like this. I loved the letters. I thought they were really special. Um, but I was more engrossed in the modern day storyline. I guess maybe because it's more relatable. I'm not sure. But I felt like I could connect more with Samir's character than the um, than Hassan's character. Yeah, was, I think because... You know, writing in the 60s. Yeah. And also because I didn't understand the connection. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, I was like, do I need to read these? Like, is this relevant? <laughs> and then you totally find out why and they divulge so much. Yeah. So um, did you prefer the modern day then as well, Jess? Yeah, I think so. I think it just, I was, I found myself more gripped in the modern yeah. day ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that he's a busy lawyer and the author is a lawyer herself. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Writing a book while being a lawyer. That's absolutely nuts. Yeah, can't even fathom finding the time for that. Um, But I'm assuming that's like a bit of inspiration, I guess. She was like, well, I know what that entails, so I'll I'll write my character to be a lawyer too. Um, Mm. But she also writes about the racism that Samir faces at work. And it just made me think, I really hope she hasn't had to draw on her own career in that part as well. Yeah, I thought that too. And I found that part of the book was really well written because Samir experiences, I guess what could be seen as casual racism or microaggressions from his boss in the workplace. But actually the more the book progresses, the more you realize actually, I think his boss is being intentional with these acts and just claiming innocence, claiming ignorance, but to try and, make Samir feel othered at work. So for example, there's a part where Samir is, he's not a devout Muslim, like he drinks and he says he doesn't necessarily um, pray throughout the day, but during Ramadan, like like that's something that he will always want to carry out so he's fasting for ramadan and his boss who knows he's fasting books a client meeting at a restaurant over lunch and knowing full well that samir won't be able to eat it just it's just one of those things where samir just takes it in his stride where actually that's like that's 
incredibly rude and unthoughtful. Um, another example is his boss has a barbecue at his house and he invites a load of employees but doesn't invite Samir. And then when Samir finds out about it, Samir, where he says to Samir, oh, I just assumed that because there'd be alcohol there and because there'd be meat, he was like, I assumed you wouldn't want to go, but didn't ask him. So Samir wouldn't feel comfortable there, but they're all acts of aggressions meant to exclude him. I think yeah. which just made me really angry but like you say it was written so well that you end up like questioning yourself because Samir is questioning them as well they aren't just hard and fast acts of racism they are everyday acts of racism that a lot of people are subconsciously um yeah acting because it's not just his boss his friend yeah. says so oh. Samir um gets asked he's one of the people that's chosen to set up their new branch in Singapore. Is it Singapore? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his friend is like, oh, well, you, you know, it's because of the colour of your skin. Like, that, that's yeah, why you get chosen. Yeah, he and tells him that, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's like, so it's not just his his boss. And I, I thought that was clever Pretty to have, like, thing, someone yeah. that he's close to that's yeah. quite blatantly racist, but then also his boss who he doesn't like. Um, I just, yeah. I thought Samir was a really great protagonist after being shocked that he wasn't a woman. <laughs> um and I really yeah and I really liked how the book starts with his busy life and his career and then it slowly throughout the whole thing just starts to shift so then there's the next stage where he goes back home to Leicester to spend a few weeks with his family before being transferred to Singapore um and you know he still has a lot of pressure there but less so you know he's a bit more time to himself and then by the time he visits Uganda oh my it is a breath of fresh air and in fact it really made me want to go to Uganda yeah me too and actually I think what you said there about his work transferring him to Singapore and the pressures he's under is a really important part of the book because I think the broader theme of conflict between career and family obligations is one which runs quite consistently throughout the book. So you, you see in Samir's career where his parents are very vocally anti him moving to Singapore. They want him to join the family's business. Um, his friend Rahul, who we grew up with in Leicester, um, makes a decision quite early on in the book to quit his job and move to out of London back to Leicester and and join his family's business. So there's a sense of these characters being torn between carving out their own paths for their lives or following their family's expectations. And it's a struggle that a lot of them come up against. Yeah, yeah. And that involved that evolved sorry even further when he he like spontaneously visits Uganda and he just yeah. decides to go back to the country where his family um are originally from um but they were displaced and had to leave all their belongings and assets including a number of successful businesses and I really didn't know much about Uganda until I read this book and and the way it's told both through the letters which were important yes. <laughs> But then also yeah. through Samir's eyes, he kind of arrives almost like as a tourist, if you will. Yeah. And we see it through his eyes and he's just like in awe of this yeah. place. I love and that. It's, like you say, it like makes you want to go because 
the lifestyle there is so different to the lifestyle in London and that's like really refreshing for Samir because it's what he needed a break from the like busy hustle and bustle of London and he goes to Uganda and he's like say gets to be a tourist um and I'm conscious this episode is about love stories so Mm -hmm. how do you suggest we talk about the underrated love story within this plot without spoiling it I think that we just say there is an underrated love story in this book (laughs) and you have to read it (laughs) no I'm joking I think so the reason that I was like this is this is a romance to me like this is very underrated as a love story and it's because he meets someone and the way it comes about is so natural and easy and it's not like when you read a book and there's a line in like in a classic romance yeah you're like okay well we know what's going to happen here that doesn't happen and it just slowly unfolds and I don't even think that's a spoiler because there are a few people like you're now you've yeah, listened yeah. to this you'll be like it's going to be this person it's going to be this person but no yeah. it, it's really not that obvious um and I just it wasn't like a, a romance I'd read before in term, in that way mm, I agree it's it's a slow build but also the time frame is very quick yeah yeah, it feels very normal in the circumstances. Like I wasn't expecting, like you said, a romance in this book at all. But actually, the final line is just so beautiful. And oh. it kind of perfectly summarizes the relationship, doesn't it? Yeah, I I smiled when I read that yeah, line and, and finished it. And like, that's just the best way to finish a book. Like I'm smiling yeah. now thinking about it. It was like, oh, yes. Oh, great book. You don't really see a lot of people talking about it either, actually. No, um, underrated. Come out, yeah, um, and it has just come out in paperback with a gorgeous cover with lots of gold, beautiful, intricate details on it. So go and check it out if you haven't read it yet and add it to your TBR. Yeah, you're in for a treat. Okay, Jess, what is your underrated love story? So when... I was like, we should do this as a theme because of Birds of Uganda. I was like, what else am I going to say? And actually one book pops straight into my head and I can't believe I haven't talked about it yet. And it it's similar in a way to Birds of, um, We're All Birds of Uganda in that like it's about so much more, but then there is this love story that actually kind of forms the, the whole premise. It's um, Against the Loveless World by Susan Abalawa. Uh, which was the winner of the Palestine Book Award. Mm, lots of prize winners today. Yes, and under, underrated love stories. Yeah. Um, so I will drop the snot. Well, it's quite a long one. Um, Nah has been confined to the cube, nine square metres of glossy grey cinder block, devoid of time, its pattern of light and dark, nothing to do with day and night. Journalists visit her but get nowhere because she is not going to share her story with them. The world outside calls Nara a terrorist and a whore. Some might call her a revolutionary or a hero, but the truth is Nara's always been many things and had many names. She was a girl who learned early and painfully that when you're a second-class citizen, love is a kind of desperation. She learned above all else to survive. She was a girl who went to Palestine in the wrong shoes and without looking for it, found what she had always lacked in the basement of a battered beauty parlor. Purpose, politics, friends. She found a dark-eyed man called Bilal who taught her to resist, who tried to save her when it was already too late. Nar sits in the cube and tells the story to Bilal. Bilal, who isn't there, 
Bilal, who may not even be alive, but who is her only reason to get out. Oh, wow. And I'm assuming the love story is with Bilal. <laughs> yes. And actually, just then I was like, it's kind of like the letters that are addressed, that Hassan writes addressed to someone that's like never going to okay. receive them. So it's kind of like that. But um, yeah, it takes a while to get to Bilal. Um, she initially loves someone else, but he jilts her after their very brief marriage. Um, and soon after the US invasion of Iraq makes her a refugee. So she she honestly faces so many hardships. And and it, I loved her retelling like of her prostitution, which sounds so morbid, but the way she approaches it, I don't know, I just loved her as a character. She's so fierce and she has this rebellious side, but she's also naive and she just feels like a very real person. Um, and yeah. anyway, it's after she treks to Palestine that she really starts to settle down and she makes a home and she falls in love and it just comes so full circle. And like you think that that's her happy ending, but we know it's clearly not because she's in the cube. Yeah. So what is the cube? Is it prison? Yeah, like essentially. So you, um, so is she a terrorist or or is that like the whole thing that you don't know? Well, this is what's so clever because I mean, it's loads of heavy content like you might have mentioned yeah. um guests already like um definitely a content warning for rape um but I just couldn't put it down and like it was so readable and I and I'm wondering if that's because the writing is it's written so clever you know she's imprisoned straight away yeah but you don't know why and so like you're reading and you're reading and you're trying to find out what is it that's put her there? Has she even done anything wrong? Is she wrongly in prison? Like what is going on? And, and you find out more and more about her troublesome past and you're like, okay, yeah. is it going to be this? <laughs> and you're just ah, like, that's quite cool. Keep going. Yeah. It's such a good book. And um, it's now it's out in paperback as well. I read it when it was in hardback. And then I think like soon after it came out in paperback and I was like, Jess, if you just wait, it's <laughs> which I prefer to hold you know um (laughs) but yeah really good book so so good um and I definitely need to read more of the author's work and I I said it when I finished it and I haven't yet so I definitely need to get into that because it was fab so good yeah I really want to read this oh sounds brilliant happy to end um okay Lauren what is your underrated love story (laughs) so mine is actually It's a traditional love story, if you like. But the reason it's underrated is because it was a book I didn't want to read. (laughs) We all got them. Yeah, it was a book I randomly got sent by a publisher, which I hadn't asked for. Um, But then I think I put it on our stories to just be like, never heard of this before. Should I read it? And so many people came back and were like, oh, my God, it's life changing. You need to read this book. It's brilliant. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so it? I begrudgingly read it. Oh, yeah, I haven't even told you. It's called Freshwater for Flowers by the French author Valerie Perrin. This rings a bell. I remember yes. like at the now it's all coming back to me and I could picture the cover. Yeah. And it was just such a rogue book for me personally, because I was like there was I had absolutely zero desire to read it. Read the blurb and I was like, yeah, sounds nice. It sounds like a traditional love story. Um 
maybe not traditional, but it sounded like a love story. And I just thought, yeah, not for me. But I'm so glad I read it. I think I even gave it five stars. And um, aside from being an underrated love story, because I didn't want to read it, it's also an underrated love story because the main character is a middle-aged woman. And I just think as a demographic, once women reach middle age, I think societally they they do become overlooked. So it was really refreshing to read a love story set later in life love that that's like Mm. how I felt about the royal holiday in our Christmas episode yes yes so good I think it's originally a French book and I've obviously read the translation and it was beautiful and so I'll give you a quick synopsis so you can decide for yourself if it's what bucket it falls in for you oh okay Um, So Violet Toussaint is the caretaker at a cemetery in a small town in Bourgogne. Her husband, Philippe, has abandoned her and she lives a small, simple and straightforward life. But the secrets and tragedies of her past begin to unravel upon the arrival of a stranger at at the cemetery, Julian Sol. As their stories unravel, it becomes apparent their histories are entwined and possibly their futures too. Interesting. So... Yeah. So I'm like I said, I'm really glad I read it. It really is just a very beautiful story. And it's a story within a story. And the unraveling of it is done so subtly, you barely even notice it's happening. Um, But you go on a complete journey of emotions. It's about grief, death, um, leaving someone, loving someone, friendship, um, and maybe not even being able to move on. And I just adored Violet as a main character. Like when you meet her at the beginning of the book, she's a caretaker at a cemetery and her house is in the cemetery too. So she's got this like really strange lifestyle and you're immediately just questioning like, how do you end up, how does somebody like her end up with a job like this on her own here? It just feels really weird. Um, But the more obviously there's the plot unravels, you you start to learn about her very complicated past um, and there's some really juicy twists and turns that you don't see don't see coming you mentioned like grief and death and Mm. leaving and is it did it is it sad did you cry would I cry no I didn't I didn't cry it's sad because something happened in her past which is is undeniably sad um but it doesn't dwell too much on that Mm. You know, that's it's good. Yeah, it's not raw. It's not happening there and then. That's when you. Cry. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. And is it like you mentioned twists and turns? Is it hard to put down? Is it? Yeah, is it like I a page turn? So, okay. I read it really quickly. It's quite a hefty book. I think it's like it's over four hundred pages, which for mm. me is a hefty book. Yeah. But I read it really quickly because I just wanted to know what happened. Um, and there's a nice pace to it as well, so it doesn't. Mm feel like oh my god you could just cut this scene like that was irrelevant it just had a really nice flow to the unraveling of the story it like jumped back from present day to like memories of her past and one of her other jobs that she used to do with her husband Philippe before he disappeared was she worked in this very rural town in France at a rail station and her job was to like lift the you know like the, oh the like on a train barriers track, lift the barriers of the trains so that they could pass through and then lower the barriers of the trains so like her whole life was like 
on a train um schedule so their whole life had to be built around like being available to lift these barriers so that because literally people's lives were in their hands because someone could cross and a train would come through you know so she's just had these very quirky jobs she's very quirky character um which just made it all the more enjoyable great reco I love that you didn't want to read it got sent it's like it's not unlike that you didn't go out and buy it or you just got it and then you read it and it was a five star and it took it takes you by the surprise and I think those are the best books because you're not anticipating them to Mm -hmm. be good you're like all right let's see what the crack's about under promise over deliver that's what we love yeah keep those expectations low yeah okay three underrated love stories that actually now sound immense (laughs) (laughs) Don't say we never give you anything. And shall we give a little hint into what Books That Matter's box is for February? Ooh, next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Books That Matter, um, if you listen to the end of our podcast each week, you'll know. But they are a feminist book subscription book service. And um, we give our listeners a chance to win a box each month. So um, thought we'd just give you a little hint of what is in this month's box. Mm. so fitting because the february theme is how we love they want to rewrite your understanding of love celebrating it in all its forms lovers friends queerness singlehoods and the book is a good one it is the paperback of detransition baby which we have discussed in our women's prize episode but in case you haven't listened to that one yet it's about three people whose lives become very much entangled there's Reese, a trans woman. Um, she's always wanted to be a mother. And she thought that would be with her girlfriend, Amy. That is until Amy detransitioned back to her male body and became Ames. And after their breakup, Ames impregnates Katerina, a cis woman. And the three explore how they could maybe, just maybe, raise the child together as a queer family. So much drama. I love it. <laughs> so much drama. And- so well written. <laughs> And if you'd like to win a February box, then there are two ways to enter. So if like me, you like to listen on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, leave a rating and review and leave your Instagram handle as your nickname on the review. Or if like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Instagram story tagging at BookRecos so we can count your entry that way. Entries for the February box close on Monday the 28th of February and the winner will be announced on our Instagram on Wednesday the 2nd of March if you're listening to this at a later date then don't worry it's a monthly competition so still enter and we will count your entry towards whatever box it is at the time listening if you like today's episode then subscribe read, leave a rating and review it costs you nothing but it genuinely means the world to us and you could share it with your reading buddy too of course and if you don't already follow us on instagram then you can at book recos for funnily enough more book recommendations i was going to say thanks so much for listening but i've already said thanks so much for listening i think you say see you next week oh do i i thought that was See you next week. We'll be here.